You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Levine with Lila Bromberg and Cody Wilcox. And this is the podcast you guys have all been waiting for. It's the Maryland Men's Basketball Preview Podcast. And the season gets underway for exhibition next Friday. So we're going to be previewing all of the roster, all of the schedule, everything you need to know about this upcoming season. And we'll start with a general outlook. Obviously, the AP poll dropped. The first one dropped yesterday. So, Lila, the Terps coming in at the number seven team in the country. Now, I would just like to point out, yes, they are number seven. I was on fire with predictions on the podcast and just in the chat last week. So I think I just have to point out that I said in our chat they would be ranked number seven and then uh, I got the Maryland Indiana score last week the exact score and result and uh, I also predicted who would be the best Terp in the pro and uh, Yannick Ngakwe so I just want to say that you know I predicted them number seven and I think I might just be like a little psychic you are doing pretty good I'm not gonna lie but I've missed the past two weeks this is mm-hmm. my I know we missed you my return this Cody's is my return. back guys I am back hold your applause but anyways, uh, so I missed that, but I will take your word for what you said. But I can confirm that Lila was correct in guessing that the Terps would drop as number seven in the AP poll. Lucky number seven. Um, yeah, they dropped at number seven in the AP preseason top 25, and they went even higher in uh, the athletic Seth Davis poll. He had them at number five, and Andy Katz uh, had them at number five in his power 36. And I have to say, Matt and I talked about this a little last week. We've talked about it a ton on the site. I think this is the deepest team that Mark Turgeon has ever had uh, in College Park. You know, you're returning uh, Anthony Cowan Jr., Jalen Smith, Eric Ayala, all players who played significant minutes last year, as well as Darren Morsell. You have guys like Aaron Wiggins and Ricky Ricky Lindo Jr., uh, who I think both made big jumps. And then you bring in a really good freshman class, and I realistically see this as a team that has a chance at a Final Four. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned how they're bringing back so much talent that they used, and they used in big minutes last year. I think Marcel, he was the the main guy in in NCAA tournament last year. So they're bringing back all these guys. Their only big loss was obviously Bruno Fernando to the NBA, and I think Jalen Smith is now experienced enough and skilled enough to take after Fernando. Yeah, and he gained a lot of muscle this offseason. So I think he has the ability to take Fernando's place and maybe even do a little bit better than Bruno Fernando did. And I think that'll we'll see that in the next NBA draft if Jalen Smith decides to go to that. I think he will get picked higher than Fernando did. But I think all of the returning talent and all the experience now, Cowan is a senior, Morcel is a leading as a leader now as a junior he's one of the bigger guys in terms of leading this team off the court as well so i think all of the returning players really create this deep and skilled team that mark turgeon has yes yeah, seven of eight sorry seven of eight, i just want to say seven of eight uh they're returning seven of their eight uh leading scores which i think is huge and lila who who would you say were the most vocal players on the team last year i mean i think it's pretty obvious it was bruno fernando i mean you can't be the energy of Bruno, um, you know, he's always that guy who's going to uplift people on the court, and I think that's going to be a big thing for them this year, and we'll get into a little bit later, but it sounds like some guys like Aaron Wiggins are stepping in to fill that role. It sounds like Anthony Cowan Jr. is trying to be a bit more vocal. 
Um, but it, it was 100% Bruno Fernando. So it's going to be interesting to see who really steps up to fill that. It sounds like the team knows that they need that energy and is trying to find it from a lot of different places because, I mean, Andrew Taylor, I remember when we had him on the podcast, was telling me it would almost get annoying at times because Bruno was just always that loud, energetic guy who would never stop talking. Um, and that was big for this team in terms of energy and things like that. And I think also Darren Morsell will be a big leader for them as well. And I'm glad you touched on that because I think as they go deeper into the season, teams are going to need to have that vocal leader, you know, to pick the team up when they're on the road in Minnesota or they're in the Sweet 16. They're always going to need that vocal leader. So we'll have to see who really steps up in that area. And they're top 10 and they were, were top 10 in basically every preseason poll and now officially number seven in the AP preseason top 25. How long do you think into the season this ranking will stay in the top 10? Honestly, it's hard to say. Um, I really think they do have a potential, but then again, there's that kind of history with, I mean, let's first of all say Maryland has not been ranked this high since uh, 2015-16. We all know how that ended. They're, you know, lost in uh, Sweet 16. And we've talked about that on the site that that team, while they had an insanely talented starting five, they lose Deion Wiley to injuries. Uh, You have... uh, Guys like Des Wells constantly getting in injury trouble, I mean, in foul trouble, and uh, you suddenly lose a ton of depth. And I think this team has a lot more depth than that team, even if they don't have, and, and I think the talent also is comparable. Um, but I don't know. I honestly think that they can stay a top 10 team this season, throughout the season, if they can really hunker down, continue this work ethic they, they've had. But I think the biggest thing, and I can talk about this later too, I think the biggest keys of the season are, one, limiting turnovers. They were atrocious with turnovers last year. It would get to the point where Trojan would start off press conferences saying, I know it was horrible. I'm not going to talk about it. Here's my quote on it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I mean, everyone knows that's an issue. Um, I think another issue is in-game adjustments and coaching. I think Trojan showed a little bit of potential with that at LSU, of making adjustments late in that game. Um, But I think that is something that definitely needs to be improved if they're going to win deep and, um, you know, stay in this spot. But I honestly think that... um, they have the potential. I think the first team that's really going to challenge them is Seton Hall, which uh, is a is a ranked team right now at number 12, and that's going to be a December game. Uh, what's the exact date, Cody, on that? Uh, the Seton Hall game is December 19th. Yeah, and we will be going up to that game. I think that's the first really game on the schedule that's going to challenge them. Yes, they have the Orlando Invitational, but I honestly think they can go undefeated through then. I think maybe they get upset by one team in the Orlando Invitational, but I see Seton Hall as being like the first really challenging game on that schedule, depending on who they match up with in the Orlando Invitational. See, I'm on the other side of things. I don't think they remain in the top 10 at all for the or the, for the whole year. I think they're going to bounce between the early and late teens in the top 10 because, honestly, just college basketball is so unpredictable. Yeah, and I realize I'm being a bit naive as I say that. And it's so hard to know, especially with Maryland. But Yes. The, I don't know. Like, didn't you just feel something at media day? I mean, I know it was your kind of first big media day of Maryland's basketball, but for me, it felt very different in the past three years. I, I did feel something, but... It, I know, I, I'm I being just, a little naive. I and... just don't know how much <laughs> I trust Turgeon with the roster yet. Well, no, that's that's. I think that's my biggest hesitation. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so I think, I think honestly, I mean, I don't think they're going to slip up against a team like Rhode Island or any of those first teams, but maybe they slip up in the Orlando Invitational. I will tell you a game right now to circle on your calendars. It is the Big Ten ACC Challenge with Notre Dame on December 4th. Why can't they just get Duke? I'm so sick of these weak 
I mean, yes. I'm so, and I know our fans are too. Like, I'm so sick of these weak matches. But I want to see Maryland versus Duke. I want to see Maryland versus North Carolina. I want to see Maryland versus NC State. They played. Virginia you give us Notre Dame. Yeah, the national champions. Yeah. Okay, but like Notre Dame, really? Notre, Notre Dame's Dame? a good team. No, they're not. Yes, they are. <laughs> Every team in the ACC is pretty much up there. I'm just. Or saying. give us Florida. Or sorry, Florida's SEC. Give us Miami. I love Chris Likes. He's great. I would love to see uh, a rematch of Chris Likes and Anthony Cowan Jr. They played each other in the WCC. Both small guys who have incredible speed. Give me any matchup but Notre Dame. But I mean, really. I will tell you this. The stretch they have right there. Notre Dame. Illinois, who's on the come up. Illinois could. State, that's going to be an interesting game. At Penn State and then at Seton Hall. Those four games back to back to back. We'll be going to Penn State and Seton Hall most likely, and I'm excited for that. Yes, but that's going to be a stretch. Uh, based off what, going back to what you said, though, Lila, obviously turnovers is a big thing. But another thing that they said they're going to do more of this year, and it finally, finally Turgeon's doing it, is going to some zone. I'm so happy to see. Can Turgeon some finally zone. defend the zone? I, I I don't know, but I I really <laughs> Even if they play it, can he can I, he? Def- I want to. They have so much length on this team that they need to at least try it, especially if they get into foul trouble. However, the one biggest thing that comes out of a zone is rebounding out of a zone is harder than rebounding out of man-to-man. So that's going to be something to look for. But I think they have the length where they can defend and rebound out of it and obviously have the guards to get it up the floor. Now, Matt, I think out of the three of us, you're most optimistic about this team, at least from what I've heard. Um, So where do you see their first trip up? Well, I feel like I'm always the most optimistic. Even with football, I've picked them yes. to win every single week so far. Yes. But um, I think I, I like the pick with Notre Dame that Cody said. And honestly, really, guys, Notre Dame. Honestly, this this team is How? as much as as much as this <laughs> team is experienced. And I said it earlier, they still have a lot of young talent. Most of their guys are sophomores, aside from. Guys that are going to play is Cowan and Morcel, really, that are the older upperclassmen. The rest of them are sophomores, and a couple freshmen will see the floor as well. So I think early on in the season, it could maybe be Rhode Island that they have trouble with. Rhode Island's been a team that made the tournament a lot. That game's on national television on FS1. So They have so many nationally televised games this year, it's crazy. Yeah, I think it, it could be that game. I think the Terps have the upper hand by a lot, but that could definitely be a game where... Rhode Island comes to College Park and escapes with a, a win by a few points, and the Terps lose, what is that, their second game of the year? So, I mean, I think it could be as early as that, but I don't know, obviously. I don't know how this team will play, and I, I like what Cody said. is I, We don't know how Turgeon will manage the roster yet. You know, actually, now that I think more about it, there's a possibility they face Texas A&M in the Orlando Invitational, and I think that is a trip-up game. You know, I think Turgeon's going to get a bit in his head facing his old team, wanting to prove himself. And that, I think, is a good team, um, an underrated team. And I honestly think maybe that could be the first trip up. It's definitely possible, but I wouldn't also... I, see, there's so many possibilities in college basketball. Like, I know, I'm, I'm looking but that's at, why college basketball will... And people can come at me for this, I don't care. College basketball will always be better than the NBA, in my mind, because there's so much unpredictability... And it's just so much fun. Yes. I mean, there's nothing better than college basketball in my mind. Yes, but I, I'm saying... It's the best time of the year, guys. Yes. We're, we're excited. Preview podcast, best yes. time of the year. I'm not looking over, overlooking Harvard, though. Harvard. Harvard. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> or Marquette. 
yes. Oh, Marquette, that could be interesting yes. too. Yes, that whole tournament is pretty pretty solid talent. We're trying to decide if we're going down there or not. It looks expensive, but I really want to go down. Yes, we'll see. I it's just it's hard to look overlook any of these teams, um, really, with the schedule and I. Based off what Matt said, I'm kind of curious to see if Maryland does lose to Rhode Island, second um, game of the year, how they respond. Because they have all these big expectations, and I wonder if that gives them a kind of wake-up call or how they really... They have to have a wake-up call at some point, I feel like, to be but, successful. Exactly. But I, I want to see how they respond to their first loss of the season. I think that will say mm-hmm. a lot about where this team is headed and who the leaders are on this team. And I want to see how Anthony Cowan responds. Because the thing with Ant is he is so... I have never met a kid harder on himself than Anthony Cowan. Um, and I think a lot of... Like, you see it a lot. You've seen a lot of the past couple of years where if he has a bad game or if he has a bad game, he will kind of be out of it for the next couple. Um, and it takes him a bit to bounce back. So I think that's going to be something interesting to follow is how he handles himself mentality-wise. I think... You could see it in the article I wrote on him and some stuff I talked with him. I think he's really been working a lot on that this summer. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting to see. But before we get into players and, you know, the specifics, while we're still talking about the schedule, let's talk about, you know, kind of the ranked teams they're going to face, what we're most excited for. Um, they'll play four teams currently ranked this season, and they'll play two of those teams, number one, Michigan State, and number, eight, number 18, Ohio State, twice, I'm sure, you know, they'll be and they end up playing more ranked teams. I was I get that Michigan doesn't have the same coach and players, but I was shocked to not see them ranked. It's the first time in I don't know how long they haven't been ranked. I feel like they might be ranked by the time Maryland faces them. I don't know. Um but of these games that are ranked right now, what are you guys most looking forward to? Definitely Michigan State. I mean, that's right now the number one team in the country. Cassius Winston, who's on many uh on many analysts, there he's the player of the year and the preseason player of the year, the Big Ten preseason player of the year. So I think he's the guy to watch for them, and really he's the guy to watch around the country. And I think these two teams match up pretty well. I mean, obviously playing in East Lansing is very hard for any team, but I think the game in College Park. Oh, that's going to be such that can, such, be, that's gonna be such an incredible atmosphere. I cannot wait for that. And I, I don't think that, they, that Michigan State came to College Park last season, so – it was just the Terps going there, and that was kind of in the middle of their win streak, and then it fell off a little bit after that. But I think that game in College Park against Michigan State, and I think it's late February, that could be getting hot into March for the Terps. So that could be a game that Maryland wins against. We'll see what they are ranked by then, but Michigan State now number one. See, I'm with you. I'm on the February 29th matchup in College Park. But so I'm, excited. I'm looking at it at a different perspective because I want to see what adjustments Turgeon and Tom Izzo make from that first yeah. matchup. That I mean, let's be first... honest, Tom, Tom Izzo is a much better coach, in my mind. But I want to see how each team responds and right. what adjustments they make two weeks prior on their February 15th matchup in East Lansing. So that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. But just... Seton Hall is going to be a big one, too. I'm excited for that. I mean, you can't not be excited for Michigan State. I think that there's a very good chance that you have some sort of sports center or game day thing going on for that game in College Park. Um, And I think that would be really, really exciting, of course, if Maryland is still living up to expectations by them. But one game I'm really interested in, as you said it, Seton Hall. It's early in the season. You know, a lot of these games that we'll talk about are later. But Seton Hall is the first of these games. And 
you know, Maryland lost that game last year. We learned it when they were announcing the Maryland Basketball Performance Center that, that Turgeon certainly seems to think that some of that was from not being able to get uh, enough practice and free throw shots and things like that because of uh, scheduling issues and buildings and whatnot. But, you know, that was a very good game last year. And I think Maryland's better this year. And I think that's going to be a really, really exciting game. The Wasp, Maryland is going to want revenge. Seton Hall is ranked much higher than they have been in a really long time. And it's going to be an early game. It's an away game. So I think that's going to be a very interesting one. I think that's going to be a big, big test for Maryland. And then you also have, uh, you know, Purdue's ranked January 18th. You got number 18, Ohio State, on January 7th and February 23rd. Um, February is going to be a good month for games. A lot of that's going to be a hard stretch for Maryland, but I think it's going to it's going to be very exciting. And that should be around the time where they're preparing for the tournament and the Big Ten tournament. So that'll probably be around when they get hot and they start to win. But but like in the past, like that's not the way it's gone for Maryland, and that's what I need to see this year. I mean, the infamous thing for Maryland is you start the season well, you're looking really good, everyone gets their hopes up, and then there's this big drop off towards the end of the season. You know where you just start losing, as the schedule gets tougher, you lose a ton of these games. And that's what this Maryland team needs to do if they want to live up to their hopes of being a championship and Final Four contender, is they need to prove that down the stretch, they can win those games. And I think that because they have so much more depth this year, I think they have the tools to do it. But again, it's a matter of mentality. It's a matter of coaching. It's it's just so many different factors. Like we said, college basketball is unpredictable, but that that is key for this team, is not having that signature Maryland drop-off towards the end of the season. So you're saying, are you are you going to be more worried if they drop, say, three early games or three late games? How When you say three early games, like how early are you talking? We're talking first ten games of the season versus the last ten games. I don't think that, there's no way they drop three early games, Cody. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, though, I think I'd be more concerned uh, towards the end of the season because I think if you're dropping three games early, you can make adjustments. And when they've dropped games late in the season, then that affects their momentum and their confidence going into the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. So honestly, I would rather have them drop three games earlier in the season, but I don't see that happening. Maybe two. Maybe one. But, like, I just, I just, I'm so, like, it's just so frustrating. Um... You know, I cover a team now, so I don't really consider myself a Maryland fan anymore because I have to be objective. But I remember growing up, it was just the most frustrating thing. Even as a reporter, it's the most frustrating thing because you think this team could be something special, and then they have that drop-off, and that's the hump Maryland needs to get over. And what do you guys think about – I mean, we've talked about the depth a little bit, but let's really dive into it. Okay, so who we start with, Anthony Cowan? Yeah, let's do it. Matt, you want to start? Sure. I mean, he's the guy that they have to rely on this year. He's been the leader for the past two seasons since he was a sophomore. He led in points, uh, free throw percentage. He led in assists and steals uh, per game. And that, obviously, as a sophomore, that's pretty hard to do. And he did it as a junior as well. And I'm expecting him to do it as a senior. Um, he was named to the 2020 Bob Cousy Award watch list, which is the nation's best point guard. Um, I expect him to finish in the top five for that, I would say. And he was rated by Andy Katz the number nine overall player in the country. And that's high praise for Anthony Cowan Jr. And I think what Lila said earlier is he's very hard on himself. So if he's confident, this guy, he, he could play with any 
anyone in the country, he can play as good as anyone in the country if he's confident in himself. Yeah, with Anthony Cowan, it's a mental game. It is. He's always a guy, if he misses a couple of big shots, he'll get buried down on himself, and he could translate that into the next few games. This season, I think you said he's working on it. If he misses a big shot, he'll come out and he'll make it the next time. And I think that is the key for this team, is him being able to just work basket by basket, quarter by quarter, and forget about what happened whether it's win or lose. I think he needs to clear his mind and just be confident in his game, and he can compete with anyone. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, unanimous. He's an All-Big Ten first team. Uh, he made the second team All-Big Ten last season. Uh, he's gained 10 pounds of muscle, but I think what you said, that mentality thing is the biggest thing. Um, and also distributing the ball. And I think that we're already seeing some improvements for that. You know, in the conversations I've had with him, and the conversations I've had with Turgeon, I think in the past with Anthony, there's been a thing, especially last year with such a young team, where he didn't really have like the trust in his teammates, where he's surrounded by these young guys and he feels like he needs to take on the responsibility and take all of these shots because he doesn't know if other people can execute and he's kind of had to fill that role and, you know, Turgeon has been so point guard heavy. And I, so I think the key for him is to distribute the ball and, you know, I think they have the depth and the talent this year that if he's having an off game, he can do that. But I just, I just think from the get-go, he needs to, you know, having this trust. And when I talk to him, when I talk to his mom, it seems like he has – his mom said he has a lot more trust in his team than he has in any other year at Maryland. Um, he really seems to have built a connection with these guys and to have that. And Turgeon sees it too. And the other thing I thought was interesting is when I talked to him for my article I did on, you know, him – looking up at the Raptors and wanting that championship when he went and talked to guys like Steve Francis um, and he's talking to guys like Steve Blake. He, I think, has learned that a couple things from that. One is that he needs to be a team player. Um, it's a team effort. He can't put it all on himself. Um, and he wants that so badly that I think now he realizes he needs to do that because it hasn't worked in the past when he's just taken all on himself. And two is that he, he, those guys told him to really soak it in and enjoy it and have more fun this year. He told me that in the past he's just been so hyper-focused on different things and just hasn't had fun. And Aaron Wiggins and other guys were telling me in practice, like, he's trying to make this more fun for the younger guys. He's, he's trying to keep their mentality up. He's trying to bring a light aspect of his team and make it fun. He said, this is the funnest year I've had playing basketball. And he hasn't had that in the past. And I think that will make the difference because with Anthony Cowan, everything is mentality-wise. There's no question he has a talent. I don't care what people say about his size. For him, it all comes down to the mental game. And it looks like he's changing that mindset. And I think that's a really positive sign. And one thing Anthony told me is, you know, the freshmen that have come in kind of lighten the mood. and They're and, always dancing. Yeah, they're always dancing. They just seem like fun guys to be around. And he, he says that that helps him, you know, step away from the game sometimes to be around those guys. And Eric Ayala said the same thing. But for me this season, uh, Anthony's had the game come to him a little bit more. Exactly, And yes. that's what Turgeon said, and that's kind of what you touched on. And I think he'll be able to do that. But another thing is, is last season, I kind of thought at times when Anthony was going through some slumps or other things, he kind of settled a little bit on the offensive end. So I would like to see him continuing to go to the basket and, like you said, distribute the ball and trust his teammates because sometimes when he was going through those rough patches, I think he would just settle for the outside shot. So mm -hmm. I'd like to see more of that from him this year. And I think you'll see him playing more off ball. 
I think you could see something very similar to what you saw in Mellow Trimbles last year, where you had uh, Anthony kind of running the point and then Mellow also sharing those responsibilities with the point, but Mellow would play off ball to find more opportunities to get open. And I think you could see something similar with Eric Ayala this year, where he's going to be playing, where Ant is going to be playing more off ball and getting more of those opportunities as well. I, I agree. I think you could see him. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that can handle the ball and bring it up the court. And I think they're going to use Wiggins in that sense. They used Ayala in that sense last year. And Wiggins will get a lot more playing time this year. Um, those two guys can bring up the ball and have Cowan kind of act as more of a shooting guard instead of a point guard and have him work off screens and get him open. And I think that can work really well into incorporating many things he can do. Yeah, and he'll still be a game. point guard, but I think they'll like go back and forth more. Yeah, I think having him off the ball can have, have many different skills that he can use. He's He could shoot, he can dribble, he can pass. And I think the most important thing is is limiting turnovers for him. He led the team in turnovers last year. He had over 90 um, in 34 games. I think that needs to go down tremendously. Because yeah. he gets like fran- like he gets frantic. And a lot and- of them happen in big minutes and big yeah. moments of the game so if he calms down and has the confidence those turnovers won't happen and then they'll be in a better spot to win because he can create plays that yeah. is that is not a question it's just whether he can hold on to the ball and have those plays created and I think this season we'll see a lot more of that yeah and Turgeon said that now like if Ant is having one of those nights where he's just not himself he's more talent around him where he can just be more of that distributor and that's really what I want to see and we didn't we heard about the secret scrimmage we didn't get to go to it. I don't think anyone did. I think Jeff Goodman just got some intel. But Cowan was not on the three leading scores for that game. And I think that's a really good sign. That means that he's really distributing the ball and putting others before himself. And, we, well, we don't also know if he played or yeah, not. Yeah, we don't know if he played or not. But if he did, I think that's a good sign. But he was also dealing with a concussion. Yeah, so it's likely he didn't week. play. So we don't know. Yeah, but I think that seeing that other guys can produce the way that they do with Jalen Smith, you're going to see Wiggins a lot. Even Dante Scott had a really good game. I think he had 11 points in, in the secret scrimmage. So seeing those guys produce can kind of tell Cowan, okay, I don't, have to, I don't have to put too much pressure on myself to do so much. He has this talent around him, whereas last season it was kind of looked at as just Bruno Fernando and Anthony Cowan. That was it. And a little bit of the freshman with uh, Ayala and, and then you had Marcel, obviously, and you had Jalen Smith. But I think now, seeing that there's so much more experience and talent around him, he kind of has less pressure on himself to do the huge things. And he can yeah, he just cares about winning. He, yeah. he said it. He just cares about winning. He wants a banner. He wants a ring. And you can read about that in my article. And you mentioned Jalen Smith. Let's get into him because another really highly antes- anticipated player this year that I think is going to make a big jump. Well, Jalen Smith, I think he could have been a first-round pick last year out of his freshman year. That's a bold take, but he decided to come back, and I don't think he really debated it. I think it was just right after the LSU game, he was, I'm coming back. Um, he averaged nearly 12 points per game and nearly seven rebounds per game last year. I think that goes up. I think he'll average around 15. And he had 1.2 blocks per game. Yeah, I mean, he, he's good off. He's good on offense. He's good at defense. He can rebound. He can block. He's he's just a big a big guy. Six ten. He now gained a lot of muscle. I think he gained about thirty pounds since he came here as a freshman. Um, it's just a lot of talent for this guy, and 
I think he'll be a lottery pick in the NBA in the next draft after this season. And Jeff, you, you touched on his stats real quick. Or you were getting in. What do you think he averages, man? I I say it was it was eleven point seven points per game last year. I say that gets up to around fifteen or sixteen. I think he's gonna get a lot more action inside. It'll maybe even go up even higher because that was with Fernando around him too. And now I think he gets a double double averages a double double like Fernando did last year. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And Jalen Smith now has the clear front court to himself. Really, he's the guy. He was and he's in Bruno Fernando's shoes now, so he's gonna get all the touches down low. He's gonna get a lot of offensive rebounds. So I'll say around 15 points and around 10 rebounds per game. And he looks more aggressive in the paint from what we saw at media day. He really does. Um, and it's funny because, like, he put on 35 pounds, and you can definitely see it in the upper body. I still think he has very skinny legs, but you can definitely see it in the upper body. Uh, Charging is joking. Jalen Smith skips leg day, Lila? I'm not saying he skips leg day. I just think that, like, it's, it's interesting because, like, you can clearly see the weight game, but at the same time he's still kind of skinny. Um, but he definitely has that more muscle, you know, Trojan is calling him logs. And I, I, I saw that he was muscling his way a bit more in the paint. And, you know, you need that in the Big Ten. I think it'll be big. And uh, I would like to see him expand his three game in that secret scrimmage. Jeff Goodman reported he had 20 points and 10 rebounds and shot three of four from behind the arc, which I think is big. I want to see his three point game used more by Maryland because that was a big strength for him in high school. And I think if he's going to go to the next level, which we expect him to do after this year, I yeah, assume. number nine pick by Jeff Goodman mm-hmm. in his mock draft release today. The uh, the game is expanding as we see more outside the arc, and you you're gonna have to be able to do that. Lila, didn't you see Bruno start to expand that yeah, a little I mean, bit more? Okay, Ten years ago, Bruno would have been no question a top twenty pick, averaging a double double. Taco Fall would have been no question top 20 pick. But the game has changed. And so now, you know, guys have to expand and show that they can shoot with three. And so I think Jalen knows he wants to do that. And I think that'll be a big asset for Maryland, too, because it can throw opponents off. Yeah, and like you said, he put on that muscle. He can body his way inside, especially in the Big Ten Conference when you got some big guys, you know, banging around down there. But I, I'm excited to see what he brings. Honestly, when we saw him at media day and he bulked up a little bit, my first question was who would win in a dunk contest between <laughs> him and Bruno? Ooh, I don't know. I'm giving, the slight, the I'm giving a slight edge to Bruno yeah, I because think so. I think he's a more powerful dunker, but we haven't seen Jalen throw down with that much power yet. I think that'll come throughout right. the season when he's not only dunking on people, but he's throwing down on people. Like he did at Belmont. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to see uh, him this year and definitely see how his game expanded from his first year with the program to the second. Yeah, I think he's going to be a really elite player. Um, I think he's going to look really good. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. He was also named to be um, preseason All-Big Ten first team along with Cowan. So my prediction is that they both get there to be that uh, All-Big Ten first team. Last year, Jalen Smith was the uh, a name to the All Big Ten freshman team, so um, I think this year both Cowan and Smith are on the Big Ten first team at the end of the year. You know what I'd love to see? I would love to see Jalen Smith body Matt Harms like uh, Bruno did last year. Another favorite photo of mine. I just love those poster times. I mean, just inject that into my veins. They they are good photos. They uh, it's just such a great moment. We get extremely hype. 
I want to see some poster dunks from Jalen Smith this year. And Bruno would, there would not be a better moment in the game than Bruno either dunking on somebody or throwing down a dunk. And, and the reaction. Yes, and I'm just hoping that Jalen gets the same thing. This I year. need to see some some swag from Jalen. What you do you know, mean? Bruno swag. Like some dancing or something? I don't know. I need to see some like more like celebration after like a big dunk. Like or a the big finger moment. twirl that Fernando does after the dunk. He'll yeah. point at the crowd and just wave his finger. Well, Turgeon said that he joked that Jalen doesn't want to keep his shirt on anymore now that he has more muscle. <laughs> He'll just rip his jersey yes. off in the middle of the game. Yes, I think I think Jalen's <laughs> gonna move flex. Back and just rip it. Yep. He's just gonna flex after the dunk. That's all he's gonna do. So, are you saying he's just gonna steal like Zion Williams's signature? I feel like he needs his own. Like that's what Zion is known for. Well, it, he is, but I think Jalen can make it his own, especially uh-huh. in College Park. Okay. So we'll have to see. All right. Now, Turgeon has called him logs, saying from six. But I, I've said this to Cody. I think Groot is a better name, right? Because Groot is like it's that same thing where it's a tree type thing but Groot you know you have baby Groot you have strong Groot and you kind of see the transformation with Jalen I-, I like Groot as a better nickname and I should have run it by him on media day Matt what do you think I like sticks even though he's gotten bigger I think <laughs> or Grant or uh, Trunks. Well. Trunks Trunks I like Groot too I think he's pretty funny uh, and I think... I'm gonna try and get him the dress up as Groot for Halloween I'm gonna ask him <laughs> if he'd be down to do that Yes, that would, that would be great. You definitely have to ask me about that. <laughs> and another player we talked a little bit about, Daryl Morsell. Matt, one thing you've talked a lot about that I think a lot of people don't really realize as much is a role he played in the NCAA tournament, specifically that LSU game. Can you tell, tell you know, everyone a little bit about that? Because I think that's really significant. Well, personally, when I kind of look into and analyze sports, I always I don't technically look for who scored the most or who assists the most, who has the most rebounds. And that's usually what everyone else looks at. I look at who changed the game, who had the spark, who came off the bench and did well, who kind of the, the mental guy. And I think Daryl Morsell, Daryl Morsell, excuse me, is this mental guy. And against LSU, he had big buckets, big plays late in the game, in the, early in the second half, that really changed the momentum of the game. And it turned it around and put Maryland in a spot to win. And... I think that it goes that speaks more volumes than someone scoring 20 points and not contributing in big plays. So I think his mental state, he's now a leader on this team. I want him to be more vocal and I think he will be. I don't think he's he's always kind of been quiet and I don't know how he is off the court, but on the court even after a big play, he doesn't really show too much emotion, but I think this year he'll be more of a vocal leader and I think that will go a long way. And, him, if he does get the start, which I think he should, he will have big moments like that. I don't know if he'll score the most because obviously Smith and Cowan will probably do the most scoring, but I think he'll have the most important impact and the more important plays that go into winning a game. Yeah, I think that with that's a big thing you said, and he is that mentality guy for this team, as you said. Like He is able to calm guys down uh, in the way I've seen that he can – he and Bruno could both do this, but Daryl really, too, is going to take on that role where he can pull guys aside and really get them to calm down, you know, give them a you know nice little hug and just get them to, you know, relax a little bit. But you also did see a big jump in his scoring as well because he was averaging a little over eight points uh, for most of the season. And then from February 23rd to the end of the season, he was averaging 11.2 points per game and then averaging 14 points per game in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's huge. I think he makes a big jump. Um, Turgeon, 
as we said, has said he's developed as a much bigger leader. Uh, from me to date, it looks like he's improved his shot a lot. He's the best defender on this team, in my opinion. Um, I agree with you. I think he needs to start, and I think he's going to be a big, big leader for this team. He's always showed his aggressiveness, and he's fast enough and quick enough to get out in the open court and finish, which I really like about him because he has the size and the strength to finish against defenders, get and ones, and complete the play. But like you said, his shot is the one thing that everybody talks about outside the arc. And it looked like he improved it, but I think it's it's early to tell mm-hmm. because we'll have to go through, obviously, the season, see how the offense works, see where he'll come into play as far as his outside shooting. But if he's able to add that, I think Maryland's offense just runs so much more smoother. Yeah, and having him, uh, if he can develop that three-point shot, having him outside the arc and potentially in a shooting guard spot with maybe Wiggins also out there as a small forward, and then you have Cowan who can also shoot threes, and Jalen Smith who's developing it, they can really do anything, whether it's small ball or playing big guys down low. They can shoot, they can pass, and they can get to the basket. And you said that Marcel creates space, gets to the basket for himself, and he's a very solid finisher. And if he doesn't, he usually gets his offensive board and puts it back up. Um, So he doesn't give up on plays. And I think if he does develop a three-point shot, he can be a very dangerous player for opponents in the Big Ten. See, I see him more like a four spot, but we'll we'll get into that when we debate our starting lineups. But you said you think that Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan are going to be the biggest scorers on this team. Now, well, I think Daryl Morsell will make a big leap. I think the guy right behind them is Aaron Wiggins, right? He averaged 8.3 points per game and 3.3 rebounds in just 23.2 minutes per game off the bench. And I talked about this in my article, and I have to say it again because I think it's really, really big. He is the best three-point shooter on this team by a lot, okay? So he made 62 three-pointers last year, which is the second most ever for a freshman school history for a freshman, behind none other than Kevin Herter, who only had three more in 65, right? Kevin Herter was playing 29.4 minutes per game, much, much more minutes, and he shot 37.1 from long range, okay? Wiggins only started four games. He averaged 23.5 minutes per night, as I said, and he shot 41.3% on three-pointers. I think that's big, and that was the 11th most all-time program season history, 12 games with at least three uh, three-pointers made, and... You know, Kevin Herter found his way to NBA squad, shooting at 41.7. Wiggins was shooting at 41.3%. I think that there's no way that you do not have this guy starting and shooting a ton of threes for this team. I think, you know, once he gets more aggressive and is taking more shots, I mean, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Herter. Maybe not the same level of athleticism, though it seems like he gained weight and maybe has gained some of that. Um, But... Those are impressive numbers in limited minutes not starting. And I think you put this guy in the starting lineup, and he's gonna be his shooting is going to be so key for this team in my mind. Yeah, I think we didn't get – I mean, we got a little bit of a chance to see what he could bring to the team uh, last year. But I'm excited to see what he's able to do in a larger role, like you said, Lila. And with his ability to spread the floor, and hopefully we'll see that a little bit with Daryl Morcel, you'll get lanes for – Cowan to take it in or Smith down low in the post because defenses will have to spread out but I'm really excited to see what he brings to the floor this year I think Wiggins is an NBA talented player it, like he has the he has the body size at 6'6 
And John Rothstein said that. He's like, he looks like an NBA player. And he's been projected in some late rounds. In in some late first round drafts. Yeah, on NBADraft.net, he's projected 29th overall to the Toronto Raptors. He was going 24th by Bleacher Report in June or or some outlet. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it was Yahoo. Had him like 24th or 25th. And I will say this. When I covered the Michigan-Maryland game last year, uh, I had a scout sit next to me. And I couldn't tell who... He was really looking at. I think it was Ignis Brazakis. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. And I think it was Aaron Wiggins. And at the time, I was thinking, all right, what? Like, what's this guy looking at? But I think it's become more visible now. I mean, Brazakis is what in the NBA? Is he on the Knicks? He's on the Knicks now. <laughs> yeah. And Aaron Wiggins is is getting looks at. So now it makes more sense. But I just remember thinking at the time, like. Is this is this dude serious? Like, who's well, he really looking at? Well, the thing like here is, Pepe, like he, he he's intriguing because he's he looks like Kevin Hurt. You're not the same exact player, I think he's but a little it, stronger and, and wider than Kevin Hurt yeah. is. Even, also, so. he was a better free throw shooter than Kevin Hurt yeah. was in um, college, and I don't think he's a better shooter yet. But I honestly think he's he's a potential to be up there. And I think that you know you see the success that Kevin Hurt had in the NBA is having in the NBA, and I think you can see something very similar with Aaron Wiggins. He's just he's just lights out. He's a great great shooter, and also. Turgeon was saying, I asked him, you know, who is stepping up to fill that role of Bruno Fernando? And he said, Wiggins has been a lot more vocal. I mean, you saw him at Media Day, Cody. He was just, he was really, really talking. Yeah. Really trying to be that vocal guy. Almost every every play, whether he was, I remember this one drill, he came out and he was still giving people commands as he was like wiping himself down with a towel. Like, he was just always talking. And I was going to get to the point that he is, NBA, he has the level of talent for an NBA player and some college players who I, I think Cassius Winston is one of these guys. He's gonna be amazing in college, but he'll maybe be a later second round pick. The same way with Carson Edwards from Purdue, who got drafted by the Celtics pretty late. And you would expect these guys to go really early on in the draft because of how successful they are in college. I think Wiggins will kind of be the opposite. I'm not saying he won't be successful this season. I think he'll have a great year. But he won't be like the main guy like Cassius Winston is, and I still think Wiggins will get drafted in the first round because his body size is of an NBA player. He's strong. He can shoot. Yeah, he, he can put get on to the, the basket. He can do anything that, and I think he's a better defender this year than he will be. Than, I think he will be a better defender this year than last season. So I, he has a long wingspan. He can really do anything, and I think that with his body size and his skill set, he could be a top 20 pick in the draft. Yeah. He's just got to be more aggressive, I think, and, you know, find that confidence. Yeah. And, you know, another guy that I think is going to take a big leap as a sophomore is Eric Ayala. Uh, Cody, I know you were following him closely. You know, tell us a little bit about his progression. I am so excited. I'm so excited to see Eric Ayala this year. Uh, last year, you know, he started 33 uh, consecutive games and averaged the third most minutes on the team with 29. And, during that time, he averaged uh, 8.6 points per game and just over two assists per game. But, you know, when we had the open practice, he just he just looked bouncier. He was throwing down dunks that I had never seen Eric done, do that before. And I asked him about that after, and I was like, you know, you seem like you're having more fun out there. Is that true? And he's like, yeah. I went back to the drawing board. He revamped his diet his workout plan he said and his mentality and his mentality yeah and he said like he was just trading 
he used to eat uh, like fried chicken and stuff before Pop games. Popeyes. Popeyes, yeah. <laughs> and now he's just eating protein and he just looks more of a leader. He slimmed down some. He looks bouncier, like I said, and I'm excited to see how that impacts his game this year. And he's also a great three-point shooter, shot over 40% last year, averaged 8.6 points per game and 2.1 assists. And you mentioned talking to him. I mean, there's nothing more fun than just sitting down talking with Eric Ayala. I love talking to all the guys on his team, but Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins was joking. He's like a 65-year-old man trapped in a, you know, in a 20-year-old's or however old he is, you know, his body. Um, You know, you just sit there and the way he talks, the way he sees himself, the way he sees his game, he's just so mature. He brings a really important level of maturity to his team. It It just... It's just always, I always feel like I have a revelation within myself whenever I have those long conversations with him. And if a team says the same thing about him, he's just, and I think that's important for this team is having a guy to keep him grounded like that. To have this guy that is just at a different maturity level than anyone else on this team, I think is really, really important. And I think that's good that he has that maturity level. And then you got like the freshmen who are like dancing, like having a good time, you know, I think that creates a good balance to the entire team. Right, and, you know, with those freshmen, I think that there are two to three that can play a, you know, decent big role. Uh, I, You know, Makai Mitchell, Donta Scott, and then Chul Mariel, I think, once he gets healthy, even though he's a little bit of a wild card. Uh, Makai Mitchell, four-star out of Wilson, number 64 in ESPN's top 100. He already has a college-level build, right? You know, 6'10", 235 pounds. What do you guys think of, you know, what he can bring to this team? I don't know if I necessarily see him starting, though some people have projected him too, but I see him uh, as a guy who's going to get a lot of minutes off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you could... Depending Unless on, they're going big ball. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Depending on who they're playing and what kind of lineup they want to use, he could potentially start as a bigger guy. And I personally think that Lindo is going to start at power forward. Ricky Lindo Jr., we'll get to that. We're going to have bit. some debates. But... If you want to roll with, if Turgeon wants to go with the bigger lineup, like against a team like Purdue, Purdue's a very tall team, you can put the 6'10, 235-pounder, Makai Mitchell out there. And I would even I would put him at the five and then put Jalen at the four so you can yeah. have like some three point yeah, shooting. Yeah, Jalen's more versatile and he could play the four better than the five, in my opinion. But I think Mitchell could definitely start. I, I would say he starts a handful of games, comes off the bench, maybe the. the seventh or eighth guy in the rotation which would be the second or third off the bench i think he could definitely see a lot of minutes and it'll be interesting to see how he how he produces in his first year i just want to say that mitchell's mom like i don't know if she's listening she seems to be into a lot of our content for so long we've had like football moms on twitter and i really want to do like a mom cast with like all the moms um but we haven't had like a really out there basketball mom she seems to be that mom so i'm excited to see some content that comes from her so she's the basketball mom that's even like i think that's even like her twitter handle is like basketball mom but like she's been liking all of her content retweeting i'm excited to see the content she produces yeah i think i think that out of the freshman i think dante scott's gonna be the he's gonna be the one i was surprised when coming out of what we are calling the private scrimmage secret secret scrimmage Uh, we didn't even know about it until we heard from yes uh against uh pittsburgh uh, he had 11 points and eight rebounds in that, and, and that was pretty surprising. At the open practice, like I, I was excited to see him, and he had this one play where he drove baseline and he did a spin move, and then he was able to dish it uh, to one of the Mitchell twins under the basket. And it was for his size, it was so incredible to see 
how quickly he did that. And I think he will be somebody to keep uh, an eye out for this season to bring a little bit extra spark off the mm-hmm. bench. Now the question is, once Chol Mariel, let's say he gets cleared on November 25th, how big of an impact does he have? I think he could crack the starting lineup as well. I mean, he... Do you think his body's there yet? I'm not sure how much training he's doing with the legs, but I would assume his upper body he's working on a lot. And this guy's seven foot two. I mean, he... Seven eleven wingspan. <laughs> yeah, some people say he's even taller than that. But he, the Maryland website has him at seven foot two. And immediately I think of a guy like Chris Dapps Porzingis in the NBA who's seven foot three and can drain three pointers from anywhere on the court. If Mariel can shoot, this guy can be a crazy talent and eventually end up like a taco fall in the NBA. But I don't know how healthy he is and I know in high school he's always had injuries and, and things like that. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he comes back or when he comes back. And I do think he'll get into the rotation, even if his body isn't necessarily ready. But they'll get him in because of that height. And eventually it will, I think it will play out pretty well for them. All right, now let's get into this. Let's let's have some debate. Starting five. I think I want to hear Cody's first because you've kept this a secret from us. Matt and I both put ours on the outline and uh, you refused to tell us yours. Uh, you said it was a surprise, so let's start, right, Cody. All right, starting lineup. We are going, surprise, surprise, Logs, Sticks, Jalen Smith. At the five, or are you often going to start him at point guard? I'll get to that. I'll get to that. <laughs> Ricky Lindo Jr., mm-hmm. Aaron Wiggins, Anthony Cowan Jr., and Eric Ayala. Now, my explanation between Matt's these shaking his head. is because I think – that either way this season, Eric Ayala or Anthony Cowan is going to be on the floor for the Terps. One is going to have to play point guard, and I think with this starting lineup, Eric Ayala is going to be the starting point guard, and I think he takes over that role for the majority of the time. Maybe uh, Anthony Cowan does that with a second unit possibly, but I, I would have two ball handlers in there for the starting lineup whenever they play tougher teams, tougher defensive teams. Love Aaron Wiggins shooting, as we said. Ricky Lindo Jr., excellent. Over Daryl Morsell? Yes. I think Daryl Morsell brings a spark to the second unit. I think he has that leadership quality where he can control a little bit more with that second unit. And obviously, Jalen has to be in there as well. All right, I'm going to go with mine. Um, I'm going to have Cowan, uh, Ayala, Wiggins, and then I'm going to have Morsell because honestly, like, I think he's. An, I think they need his defense on the floor. I think that um, he brings. I think they need his leadership as part of that first team on the floor. And I think he showed a really big progression. I think he needs to start for his team to be really good. Um, I personally just like him a bit more over Lindo. I think he has a lot more experience as well and has more confidence. And then obviously Jalen Smith. I think having the combination of Cow and Ayala and Wiggins out there is just great. You've just got three incredible shooters out there. But you can, you know, really rotate around and really just throw some people off by just ball movement and different screens and plays. And I think that having three lethal shooters out there, two that are really lethal, and then you have Cowan too, I think will be really, really beneficial for this team and, you know, can really throw off some defenders. And I think you can do a lot where, because, you know, you're going to have to, as a defender and as a coach, you know, decide are you, are you having your plan around Jalen Smith? 
or, you know, these three guys up top. And it's, it's hard to, you know, build a plan around four really explosive players. And then uh, Jerem Morsell brings that level of defense. I think that that can really just be huge for them, especially if, you know, Jerem Morsell continues his shot and what we saw in the NCAA tournament. I think that's just a lethal starting lineup. Yeah. And then and then I will have um, I'll have Lindo as um, one of the most used six-man with uh, Mikel and Donta Sky uh, seeing heavy rotation minutes as well. I will say... The team is so talented that whatever starting lineup you can go with so many yes, options. Yes, because but but I am annoyed talk, with you that you're you're not starting Daryl Morsell. I think <laughs> I think he's leadership enough to where he can take the second unit. But I'm not opposed to what you're saying because I agree with you. They need a defensive presence in there and all that. So I could go either way. I just like I because I wouldn't mind Ricky Lindo coming off the uh, the bench either. To be honest with you, it's just. It's just so interesting the different ways we see it, and I'm excited. And how it can change, like we said, when you're playing a bigger team. Exactly. So maybe they don't stick with one specific lineup. And Turgeon is, is known for, you know, rotating, doing a lot of different rotation minutes off the bench and things like that, and this year he really has the tools where he can do that. He said, this is a year where I can sub guys and we can get better. In the past, we've gotten worse. This mm-hmm. is a year that I can make a certain sub to a certain situation and we can get better. Exactly. Now, Matt... I have to, uh, Matt was shaking his head against I, mine. I'm shaking so my see. head at Matt's. <laughs> <laughs> I have two upperclassmen and three sophomores in the starting lineup. And it is obviously Anthony Cowan Jr. at point guard. I start Daryl Morsell at the shooting guard spot. The defense, we spoke about that. The leadership. I think it's the spark. Shooting guard, huh? The spark that he... that he He's not necessarily a shooting... A shooting-based shooting guard. But he has the height to guard a shooting guard. He can really guard anyone, but it's the plays that he makes as a shooting guard off the ball. And people don't notice that. The screens he sets, how he gets around screens, all the things that go the little things that go into playing basketball off the ball, he does well. And then I'd start Aaron Wiggins at small forward. I think he's a guy that obviously didn't start last year, but this year gonna go to new heights. I mean, this guy can shoot. He can do anything. He can play defense well. So there's defense. Marcel and Wiggins play defense really well. Power forward, Ricky Lindo Jr., like Cody has him. And I think you could put him at center maybe, even with Jalen Smith, who's my fifth starter. At 6'8"? He, he's a very solid defender. He can jump. He's, he's not – I don't want to say he's light, but he's light on his feet. He jumps high. He can rebound really well. He can block. I think he can guard a four or five spot as well. And Jalen Smith, if either of those guys develop a deep shot, this team is dangerous. And I think one of them will really develop a deep shot, and Maryland will have a very solid season. And my sixth man of the year, actually, is Eric Ayala. Coming off the bench right away, whether he's replacing Morcel, whether he's replacing Wiggins, whether he's replacing Lindo or Cowan even, he can bring up the ball off the bench. He can lead the second unit. He's the leader now, as they say. So I think he's – and he plays very solid defense. Eric Ayala, first guy off the bench, getting a lot of minutes, very successful. See, I'm not opposed to that either because – But I don't I, get – I don't – then put Aaron Wiggins at shooting guard. Why are you putting Daryl Morsell there? I would rather have Aaron Wiggins moving the ball. I think Wiggins court. at 6'6 six, six in the NBA would be a guy that – Plays he could play a two forward. or a three. Yeah. yeah, he's more of a, a yeah. So I'd rather see him at the, if you're going to go with that, and you're not going to have Eric Ayala. I would rather have Wiggins at the two. But Marcel is considered is the team's best defender, and usually the offense runs through the shooting guard. 
So I can understand putting him at the two. Yeah, and but Barr I feel like best. he moves around no, no matter could. what on defense. Both him and Aaron Wiggins are able to play the two or the three. I think Turgeon just puts him out there and says, you guard him, you guard him. I don't know. I feel like you need to have Eric Ayal in that starting lineup. I... So, yeah. I, we're going to see a lot of different things. We are, and I'm not a person Okay, so who wins either. what when, like, who gets a starting lineup correct? Because I feel like there needs to be a press. Who wins what? Yeah. Like, what does the predictor get? Because I feel like there needs to be something. You guys let us know. What should whoever predicts a starting lineup get? Let us know in the comments. But like I was saying, Matt, <laughs> Matt makes a good point. Cause he does, he Eric, does. I Eric just is really so mature see... that he can come off the bench that and leave true. that second. So it's so many different ways. I'm just excited to see how Turgeon puts everything in rotation with all the different bodies and talent mm-hmm. that he has. So with that, not necessarily the MVP, could be, what excited, What player are you most excited to watch? Once again, Cody, you kept us in the dark, so enlighten us. What player are you most excited to watch, Cody Wilcox? I mean, I alluded to it earlier. Eric Ayala. I'm so excited to see him play. He's, he looks good in practice, like he's playing well. I'm just excited to see what he brings New, I, I can't even put it in words. I'm you so say to see that bounce. I'm excited to see him yam on somebody. <laughs> yes. is, is Eric Ayala your new man crush, Cody? Eric, I can. He firmly, likes a deep thinker, you know. He I likes can, a deep thinker back in challenge. I can firmly <laughs> confirm that the Terps 2019-20 season, my man crush is Eric Ayala. Congratulations, Eric Ayala. That is high praise. We will send you a plaque, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I see him, because I run into him a lot on the bus, I'm going to tell him. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be very happy. Tell him to expect the plaque somewhere in the next 20 to 30 years. 20 to 30 years? Yes. It's a long time to wait, Cody. Well, I send it around, so uh-huh. people signature it, and then we send it somewhere else. Okay. So He'll get a shot, don't worry. I'm also excited <laughs> to see Aaron Wiggins, though. Like I said earlier, we just got to see a little bit of him last year. I'm excited to see what he does in a larger role, but... Eric Ayala. Congratulations. Hands Eric down. Ayala. Man crush of the year. Yes. Um, I, you just said Aaron Wiggins. That is a player I'm most excited to watch. He's going to get more minutes this year. He's going to be shooting lights out. I think he had, with the added weight and muscle, he can show different aspects of his game. I'm excited to see him as more of a leader. Um, I, I loved watching Kevin Herter play. And I just see, I know we're not the same player, but I just see so many awesome similarities. And um, I'm really excited to see what he can do with more minutes. And mine, I think I've alluded to it a little bit, Daryl Morsell. Defense, his offense is there. He can get to the basket. He's going to be a better shooter this year. But it's mainly his mental state and his ability to keep the team in the game. Whether they're down 20, whether they're up 20, Morsell is the same guy keeping his team calm and in the game. And I think that goes a long way. They could be losing at halftime. He'll come out and he'll spark one, two, or three plays, however many plays it is, the rest of the team gets the job done. I think he's that spark. Whether he does start or not, I think he will, but he's the spark and the glue that keeps this team together through when they're winning and losing. All right, now before we answer some fan questions, we're going to talk about some of the top teams in the country as we all give our final four predictions. Cody, once again, let us know your uh, secret. All right, so my top six, correct? That's what we're Yeah, so with. like four of you think could be like a lock, and then two of you think are kind of on the brink. All right, so on the bubble, as I'm calling it. I like that better than on the brink. On the bubble. On the bubble. I'm going Gonzaga, Mark Few. It's a pretty chalk bracket I got. I just want to put it out there first. But you can... It's early in the season. Exactly. You can never count out them, even though you know they haven't been able to get over the hump. They're always in contention. 
Second one I'm going with, and I apologize to you all listening, but I'm going with Maryland as not one of my locks, but on the bubble. So are I, you saying, but you're saying like you think they, I there's think, a possibility. I think there's a possibility, but they're not one of my locks. Okay. Uh, I, I still want to see how Turgeon manages the roster, how they gel together, what kind of offense and defense they run, things like that, but they have the talent to do so. My final four. Let me Tell me if you all see a theme here. All right. North Carolina, Cole Anthony, that's all I got to say. I believe in him. I think he's really good. Roy Williams always seems to put a good team out there. Michigan State, obviously, Cassius Winston. I think you're about to say a team that I'm going to get annoyed with. I am going to say that team. Just (laughs) wait. Next, I'm going Villanova because I'm a big Jay Wright fan. I love Jay Wright. Love to see his programs, you know, what they do. And finally... And You're really going to hate you. I know. I'm going with the Duke Blue Devils. I think they're a lock for the Final Four. And based off my theme, Lila, do you know what I'm about yes, to say Yes, your next? theme is incredible coaches. Incredible coaches. With and, a lot of experience. And? Good point guards? Yes. Okay. Trey Jones. Love Trey Jones. I think he is another great defensive point guard. I think he's one of the point, best point guards in the country. I think... I know some people might come at me for saying this, but I think he could have gone to the NBA last year. Maybe not been a lottery pick, but I think he could have worked his way onto a roster of some sort. But I think he comes back for a sophomore year, and I think he uh, does pretty good with the Blue Devils this year. All right. Now, like Cody said, he had Maryland on the bubble. I have been going back and forth about this, right? Because I see this team. I see the hunger. I see the depth. And I think if everything goes well, I think this team can be a Final Four contender, maybe even have a shot at that championship game. Not saying, I don't know if they would win it, but like I feel like they have a shot to be towards the end of things. But, kind of similar to you, what you said, I'm, I'm just a little hesitant about Mark Churchill and um, his ability. And the ability to adjust and uh, take a team deep in March. And just kind of the Maryland kind of just, I don't know, whatever just hangs over the program. I don't know. So I'm going to put them on the bubble, but I honestly think that there's a very, very good chance that they make a Final Four. But I'm saying I don't think they're a lock. But I think there's a very good chance they make a Final Four. I would love nothing more to be covering a Final Four in Atlanta. I think that would be incredible. Also on the brink, I'm have Kentucky. A lot of people have them as a Final Four lock, but honestly, with Kentucky, I think they, they always have such young teams that I think that, I don't know, I think every year Kentucky is just a little bit overrated. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to have them, you know, making like an elite eight. I'm also just not a Kentucky. I just hate Kentucky. Um, maybe even a little more than I hate Duke. Um, and then my final four, Michigan state. I think that's a consistency with all of our final fours. Tom Izzo is a great coach, just great team. I remember watching them in the big 10 tournament last year and just being in awe of their ball movement and just the way they work cohesively. I I think that they're going to be good. Um, then I'm going to have Kansas, right? You're returning uh, Silvio de Sosa after two years who grew up with Bruno Fernandes. Well, not grew up, but, you know, they were under the same guardian um, once they came to the United States. I think he's a really good, talented player. They've got a lot of talented players on the team, talented coach. Now, my next two, I didn't want to just be like, I'm just going to pick these teams that are towards the top. I'm just going to, like, nah. Like, I'm going to do like I would if I'm making my actual bracket in March and I'm trying to win some money where I'm giving some teams that I think might, are not considered locks right now, but I think could be in there. First one, Memphis. 
best freshman class in the country. Cody, why are you giving that face? They, they have so much talent, and the coach has experience with a ton of these players. Why are you guys shaking your heads? Because it's, it's different at the college level. Like, he has the number one class, I understand. But they, there's also already chemistry between a lot of the players and the coaches. We've like worked together before, and then you've got that NBA experience. I like I like Boogie Ellis, the guard that went there as well. I just, it's a different mentality at the college level, and I want to see... It's a lot of expectations to go into your people. first year. I mean, they are what, like the 14th team or something yeah, in the AP poll? I, I hope the best because I'm a big fan. James Wiseman is amazing. I mean, you've got a good squad. We'll see. And you've got, you've got that connection with coaching. They've got a lot of swag with them this year. I, I think they're going to surprise some people. It, it's definitely possible. I'm not ruling it out. I just, your first year coaching in the college Number one recruiting class, it's a lot of but expectations. It, but he's a very experienced coach. He is. He is. I just It's not like it's his first major job. No, I understand that. It's just I'm different at the college level. All right. My All right. And last team in there is gonna be Florida. I believe you on that. Great, one. great transfer yes. in Kenny Blackshear. Love that kid. Uh got a lot of other talented players that I think are gonna take a big leap. Um it's he's finally been coaching there now. I think it's gonna be his fifth or sixth year. Um, I think that's another team that will surprise some people and get in there. I think this is one of the best uh, Florida teams we've seen in a really, really long time. And, Cody, I'm with you on the point guard trend. I think teams that win and get to the Final Four are very well coached. Okay, can I say, mine are good point guards. Mine are good point guards. You guys are hating on my Final Four, well, Cody, but you know what? Cody mentioned his <laughs> trend on that, and I think that is the same case. I'm not picking Duke. They're in my on the yeah, bubble Cody, team. Yeah, Cody, we don't we don't want Duke. I think go away if you're Duke. I think losing <laughs> losing the talent that they did obviously with Zion, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and now Trey Jones is their leader. We didn't see that last year. Wow, we saw me. those other three guys take the the charge and really lead this team. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Trey Jones does as a point guard. I think he's great. I think they do get. Somewhere close to the Final Four, they're on the bubble right now. Next is UNC, also on the bubble. You had them in the Final Four. Again, well-coached. Cole Anthony, a very high prospect, another freshman guard. So, really, just a lot of point guards. And, and obviously, my Final Four is point guard-related as well. Honestly, I think... Also, your point, your Final Four, I feel like, is a bit too chalk. obvious. It's obvious. It's chalk, but it's also because <laughs> yes. I don't know anything right now, and I'm usually wrong with... March Madness. Yes. So. Well, that's why I'm going bold. You guys just aren't as bold as me. Well, I think, honestly... <laughs> I'm if, going safe picks. Yes, if Cole Anthony could have gone to the NBA out of high school, I think he probably could have. And he could have been yeah. a lottery pick. I, I I agree that he... I think he would have been a first-round pick, but... All right, let's hear it, Matt. Michigan State, number... number. I don't know if they'll be the number one seed, but number one right now. Okay, so we all agree they're in there. Cassius Winston, I think their defense is crazy. They'll be in. Kansas as well. Another point guard, Devin Dotson. They're very well coached. They've been there before. I think they get it. Kentucky, who's been there. They haven't been there in recent years, but in the past with Calipari, they get there a lot. And with Ashton Hagens at point guard, I think that is another solid guard that will lead the way. And then lastly, the Terps are going to the Final Four. I think they could. I'm just not putting them as a lock. Anthony Cowan leading the way. I really Senior think they season. could. Back in Atlanta, back, back in, Atlanta. in Atlanta, where they won in two thousand two, they want he wants his, not just his jersey, but he wants a championship in the rafters. 
a championship banner in the rafters here at the Xfinity Center. I think he gets it done. He's the leader. Alongside, you have Jalen Smith. We've mentioned everyone. They have depth. And teams that win in college basketball have a great point guard, a great shooter, great defense, and depth. You don't necessarily need the Coach K, the John Calipari, you don't, and the Roy Williams. They have Mark Turgeon. He's a solid coach. He hasn't proved that he can win late in late rounds yet, but this team is good and capable enough to get there and to show that Turgeon is a good coach. And I think this team is really just the depth and the talent is there to get to the Final Four. I'm hoping we take a trip to Atlanta this year. I think we're going to have some fun basketball trips this year. We're really, as we've done with football, going to be increasing a ton of our basketball coverage. It's going to be a great, exciting season. We're going to be having the Maryland Women's Basketball Preview Podcast coming up. And as we wrap things up here, we're going to be taking three fan questions. We will be doing a mailbag coming up where you can submit even more of your questions and we'll answer them in written form. Uh, first question coming up here. And I think we'll each take one of these and we can discuss. From Nick Sanzone, what will Maryland have to do to consider this season a successful one or at least meet expectations? Now, I think with the talent of this team, I think they need to make an elite, at least an Elite 8 or Sweet 16. I think that Elite 8 is minimum for this team with the talent and depth that they have. Um, I think in terms of meeting expectations, I think that Turgeon is going to be on the chopping block if they don't at least make it to the Sweet 16. I think the Elite Eight is the, the floor that they have to get to yeah. in order to have a expe- an expectations or meet the expectations. Successful season, getting to the Final Four. Well, I would say Elite Eight is also successful, but the expectations... Can they win a championship, Matt? Can they get to a championship game? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see later on, but I yeah, think there's I think, a chance. I think with the depth, they can. Johnny Holiday, Walt Williams seems to think so. Every, I mean, yes, they're alumni and they're around the pro and they're high on the program, but you know, seems to be a different feeling. I don't, I don't know if they're going to win it, but I, I see them there. And I'm adding one more. I think floor is elite eight, but at least a Big Ten tournament championship appearance. Yes, I'm so sick of them leaving in like the first game they play. Yes, that's I, a big thing. We need to see that to see if they can make it farther in that tournament. They don't necessarily have to win it, in my opinion, but I think they should at least make it to the championship in Elite Eight. All right, next question from Ben Holler. Should Troll Mariel take the redshirt year to be safe? Now, I think that uh, maybe in another circumstance, if this was a different team, like a different year and talent of Maryland basketball, yes. But I think that... He'll, he should be on the floor once he gets healthy because, one, it's a unique opportunity to learn from Jalen Smith in what's probably his last year, and I think that can really help him. Uh, two, I think he needs to show the country and prove to himself it and just get back playing because it's just been so spotty with his um, high school career, and I think he really wants to get back on the court and playing. And three, I also think that he can add so much with his unique body and wingspan and height that it would be a disservice not to use him somehow once he's healthy. I, I think if he is healthy, you definitely play him and you don't give him the red shirt. If it's a question whether he's healthy or not and you're still waiting, then I would say give him the medical red shirt. But if he is healthy, you have to put him on the court. Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying, if he's healthy. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that we all agree on. His health comes first, obviously. Uh, but this year, as you said, Lila, is a make-or-break 
for the Terps and Turgeon, I think. And with that, he said this is the best or the deepest team he's ever had. He loves his coaching staff. And if Chol can contribute in any form, any form or any way, I think that he should play, even if it is later on in the season. Right. I think you can even benefit if he's, you know, not even playing as many minutes, but, you know, coming off the bench, whatever. I think that'll really benefit him. And I know he wants to get back on the court. Last question uh, from Martin G. We touched on this a little bit, so we won't answer the full thing. He said, has Daryl Morsell made big improvements in his shooting accuracy and who are the projected starters? You heard our debate about the projected starters, so we're not going to go over that. We talked about this a little bit. We'll get a little bit more in depth. Has Daryl Morsell made big improvements in his shooting accuracy? Now, you know, we got to see two hours of practice. Obviously, we're not seeing a game or anything like that. But I think towards the end of the season, you clearly saw a progression in his shooting accuracy. Uh, he was making some threes at uh, media day. So I would say yes. I haven't seen him play yet this year. I wasn't at media day. But based on last season, the way it ended, I don't see how he can't be improving that. I mean, there was so much momentum at the end where he was shooting better. He was scoring more. So I think transitioning him out to mid-range jumpers and three-point shots if he can take those more in practice he will become more accurate and just the confidence in games to shoot that I think he's definitely getting more accurate and I think that definitely had to be on his mind going into the offseason and probably something he improved we saw him shooting around and it looked like he hit a couple shots but early early thoughts and early everything that we saw so far appears to be that he did improve it, but you until until yeah. the ball is tipped off and it's real game action where you're huffing and puffing down the court, we'll have we'll have to see. Yeah, thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. We really want this to be, you know, an aspect where you guys can get engaged with us. It's I know everyone's excited for the season, so we're gonna be doing a mailbag. We'll you know feel free anytime to send us questions or suggestions for a podcast what do you want us to see us cover both on the podcast and on the site with maryland basketball this year because we're going to be expanding coverage a lot and thank you for joining us on this preview we'll have a maryland women's basketball preview coming up which is another team that can get to the final four maybe even win the national championship this year and we'll have coverage from the entire season of maryland men's basketball as they kick off exhibition play november 1st so stay tuned with all of our coverage, and we thank you for joining us on the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast.